It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I think uh, the communist Chinese are interfering with the program right now. TikTok. Um, of course, my wife is amazing. Super Bowl. The snacks, the food. It's just fantastic. Plus... You know what she said to me before the Super Bowl, Mr. Producer? You can eat whatever you want and as much as you want. I said, holy mackerel. That was a good one. A um, couple of things I want to clear up here. The issue with Joe Biden is not his age. It's his dementia. I want to be very clear about this. Because the media keeps saying ageism, age. But first of all, screw off, media. Everybody despises you, and for good reason. It's not about his age. He's an imbecile. That's the. Pro- I say that in the legal sense, not in a uh, derogatory sense. He's a, he's officially an imbecile. We all see it. We all know it. There have been great leaders who've been old men. Some of them have been old women. Look at Queen Elizabeth. She wasn't, you know, shuffling around, banging in the walls, speaking to dead former leaders. She was a class act right to the end. And how old was she when she passed away? Over 100 or something? Close to 100. So it's not age. It's Biden. Biden is an imbecile. That's the problem. That's number one. What else is out there that I need to address? Number two, Trump on his NATO comments. At face value, you listen to his NATO comments, you go, wow. He's going to abandon NATO. But he's not going to abandon NATO. Do you know why he said what he said? And maybe he shouldn't have said it. Maybe he shouldn't have said it that way. But do you know why he said it? He wants to scare these NATO countries that have been pressed and pressed and pressed over and over again to pay their fair share, their big 3%, into the NATO system to damn well do it. Because the context of his comment was, these countries aren't paying, well, let Russia attack you. Now, obviously, he's not going to let that happen. And obviously, that would trigger the whole NATO response. But the media are not interested in trying to discern what's going on. It's just, you know, same damn thing. Biden can call, you know, he can call Egypt, Mexico, the president of Egypt, the president of Mexico, and his spokes idiots and the rest will say, look, he misspoke. What's the problem? But on Trump, oh, my God, he's going to launch World War III. No, he's not. We had more peace breaking out under Trump than we certainly have under Biden. Now, Mark, you defend everything he says. No, I don't. But I'm explaining what I feel quite certain he meant because just watch him over the years. He's always attacking NATO, always threatening NATO because he wants them to pay up. 
if you cut through all the spin or, the, or, or all the, the way it's presented, maybe by him, the way it is spun by the media, and you think for yourself, you figure these things out. That's what I do. What else? I got a lot to get into, but I want to deal with this. These other issues quickly. The issue before the Supreme Court is not as some of these legal analysts and other analysts who don't have law degrees keep saying, Trump is trying to delay the trial in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, he has every right to try to do. You're not a defendant trying to make it easy for the press. Hey, what do you need over there? You took attorney-client privilege. You got my lawyer's testimony. You got his notes that he took. What else do you want? Hey, we want to make this fast, speedy trial act. No, no, no. I get to decide that as the defendant. No, we want a speedy trial. It's in the public interest, don't you know, to lock you up as fast as possible. With a D.C. jury, an Obama hack judge, a Biden hack prosecutor. We got all this figured out. We got a whole Potemkin courtroom built here just for you, Trump. Don't make us waste all this money. What do you mean due process, attorney-client privilege, immunity? What the hell's wrong with you? Anyway, the reporting is disgusting. First of all, the D.C. Circuit didn't decide the issue of post-presidential immunity. A panel, a three-judge panel did, two of whom were appointed by Biden, one of whom is a complete, actually both of whom, two of the three, complete hacks. The other is a long-in-the-tooth Bush appointee who's just kind of doodling. Should I take senior status? I don't know. What should I do? Anyway, uh, typically what happens is a period of time where defendant has a right to make an appeal to the full court. Doesn't mean the full court will agree, but you have a right to make a thoughtful appeal to the full court, make your case for why you want to. It's complex. It's a case of first impression. It involves the Constitution. You could have ramifications for the rest of the republic and so forth, and it could. You know what this panel did, Mr. Producer? Rather than allowing Donald Trump to have, say, typical 30, 45, 60 days to do that sort of thing, they ruled last Tuesday, you have until next Monday to appeal, and you're not to appeal to this full court. We're going to prevent you from doing that. You have to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. And we are directing the trial court, if your lawyers don't do what we tell them to do, to start the trial immediately. That has never happened in my knowledge, ever, ever. So Trump's lawyers go to the Supreme Court today and they file and said, hey, uh, can we get back to regular processes here? And I'll add, we know these courts want to, you know, pin a, a criminal charge on me or a criminal guilt as soon as they can, to interfere with the election. But I have a right to go through the same process as every other defendant in this circuit. That's the issue. They talk about him being above the law. Well, he wants to be treated as if he's within the law. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I want to talk about something that some of you will disagree with me on, which is fine. But at least hear what I have to say in full. And don't cherry pick what I'm saying. Those of you who are conservatives, constitutionalists, embrace the greatest generation, have knowledge of pre-World War II and World War II, Most of you will agree with me. Others may not. Vladimir Putin is our enemy. His nuclear missiles aimed at us. Had nuclear missiles aimed at us before Ukraine was invaded. Vladimir Putin has written and talked about the West, and particularly the United States, as his enemy. Vladimir Putin despises all of our presidents, regardless of which party. In Biden's case, he makes it easy. I want to put aside his personality for now. Russia, obviously, was at the center of the Soviet Union. There were isolationists back then, too, who thought that Reagan would bring us into World War III. They talked about a nuclear winter. ABC News even did a documentary, as I recall, with Charles Gibson and others. That Reagan would bring us into World War III and a nuclear war. Reagan's goal was to defeat the Soviet Union. He rejected the Republicans of the past. He rejected Henry Kissinger's advice. He said, no more detente. No more mutual assured destruction. Victory. He built up the United States military. He took on the Soviets in our hemisphere, in Africa, in the Middle East, and yes, in Europe. He strengthened NATO. He added countries to NATO. He shut down the government on at least two occasions to modernize our nuclear arsenal particularly our arsenal in Europe, to send a message. Gaddafi was behind a terrorist act. He tried to take out Gaddafi. France would not give us air, uh, would not allow us to go through their airspace. Obviously, the great Margaret Thatcher did. We almost killed Gaddafi, but we bombed his house. It was said by isolationists and leftists that that was unconstitutional. We never heard from Gaddafi again until the, the uh, Clinton administration.
Now, the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, Reagan built up the United States military not to go to war, but to prevent it. When your enemies see weakness, or even worse, a bunch of Tokyo Roses running around who claim to defend and speak up for their country when in fact they're undermining and attacking it, who claim not to want war, but in fact could precipitate it. It is their voices, it is their faces, it is their broadcasts that the enemy use, that the enemy use to create their own motivation and misjudge America. The vast majority of Americans in this country do not trust Putin and they know he's the enemy. And yet there are voices in this country who are heard over and over again telling us he's not the enemy. Ukraine's the enemy. Zelensky's the enemy. How so? I'll get to that in a minute. More and more we're hearing this same chorus sound very much like Bernie Sanders. In the old days, George McGovern. Today, yesterday, they come out and they say, we want a long-term ceasefire. What the America is doing is evil in supporting Israel. Really. So we have a growing coalition, ladies and gentlemen, of Islamists, Marxists, and isolationists, all who attack America, but only one that pretends to support America, the isolationists. They say history repeats itself, it certainly does. And that's the problem. People don't know history, they don't want to learn history. So many think like Marxists, yet pretend they hate Marxists. Even early in the 1940s, when Hitler actually defeated France, was defeating Britain. Already gobbled up the countries right on his border and beyond. Three-fourths of the American people felt something should be done about this. But the isolationist movement, led by Charles Lindbergh, oddly enough, ironically enough, called the America First Movement, was born at Yale Law School with a handful of students. It would become the biggest so-called anti-war movement in the history of the country at the time, over 800,000 known members. Congress was afraid to act. FDR, in many ways, was afraid to act. They claim he did what he could. He was afraid to act. The Republican Party was filled with isolationists. Other than a handful. Who said, this isn't our war. Hitler can be negotiated with. He can be dealt with. We can give them money. We can help build Germany back. We can do this. We can do that. They completely misunderstood Hitler. As today, they completely misunderstand Putin and the Islamists in the Middle East. They're not interested in coexistence. Period. There are evil people in this world. 
who do evil things. We lost almost 420,000 military personnel in World War II. We celebrate those who've survived, of which there are only a few thousand left, as part of the greatest generation. Three members of my family were part of the greatest generation. As I've told you before, my grandfather fought in Iwo Jima in Guam, and my great-uncle fought in Guadalcanal. And they said it was beyond horrific. Beyond horrific. You know, as a result of World War II, domestically, we lost our Constitution. That's correct. FDR was an early Bernie Sanders. They burned down the barriers on separation of powers, difference between government and the private sector. We lost our Constitution, or a big chunk of it. In the late 30s and early 40s in the United States, anti-Semitism was rampant. In our colleges and universities, students groups would invite Nazi students from Germany to the United States. And they came. Tenured, not so much tenured, but old-time professors at these colleges and universities would go to Nazi Germany, lecture, trash their own country, come back, and invite colleagues in Germany to visit, and they did. Yale, Harvard, Princeton were centers of anti-Semitism and neo-Nazism. In fact, there was an ambassador to Great Britain by the name of Joseph Kennedy Sr. He was an anti-Semite. As soon as he got to Britain, he made connections with pacifists and isolationists in Britain, of all places who had back-channel messages from Kennedy to the Hitler regime that he was sympathetic to them. And it got so bad that FDR had to pull his ass back and, of course, made him the head of the SEC. But nonetheless, nonetheless, at the United States State Department, as war broke out, it was filled with anti-Semites, as it is today. It's actually led by a self-hating anti-Semite, goes by the name of Antony Blinken. They did everything they could to prevent real Jewish refugees from Europe from coming to the United States. They had caps back then on various countries and ethnicities. The Jews were well below their cap, but FDR and the State Department didn't care. The New York Times is the New York Times today. In many ways, sided with the enemy. They had a correspondent in Berlin who had befriended the Third Reich and was there for years spewing propaganda for the Third Reich. The New York Times did everything it could to cover up the Holocaust because the owner of the New York Times a German Jew, 
American, of course, didn't want to have his paper viewed as a Jewish newspaper. He was a self-hating Jew. Of which there are many. In our media today, too. In our government today, too. So Japan attacks us in 1941. Charles Lindbergh, who had been a great hero, had led this isolationist movement. In fact, he even said, France is gone, Britain cannot win. Why would we get involved in such turmoil? Why would we drag ourselves into their wars? They're far away, they're an ocean away. If Britain falls, Britain falls. There's not a damn thing we can do about it. That's what he said. Go on the internet. I just refreshed my memory about all this this morning and this afternoon. But the Axis powers, they were never going to stop anymore. The Islamists or the Marxists are ever going to stop unless they're stopped. Either by economic, military, or even psychological measures, unless they fear us and respect us. I have friends in broadcasting, friends who are part of this movement or that movement. They're saying things and they're doing things. That are appalling to me. I'm not a Buchanan conservative. I'm not a Charles Lindbergh conservative. I believe what the framers of this country set up in the Constitution. I believe this country is worth defending. Our nation would not even exist but for the fact that France assisted us. There's no way we would have won a Yorktown. No way. Without the French Navy. And by the way, as a result of the French Navy helping us defeat the Brits, France went bankrupt. We needed France. We needed our ally. We needed our allies in World War II. We need our allies today. People talk about globalism. Really? They don't mean globalism. When I see Republicans in the House and the Senate and elsewhere kissing Putin's ass, that's globalism. When I see them making excuses for the Islamo-Nazis of the Middle East, that's globalism. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. I'm going to read this to you. Um, 
GOP warning of national security threat is about Russia wanting nuclear weapons in space, say sources. This is ABC News. Now, a lot of people have, on Capitol Hill, they've run to this skiff to read what's going on. A couple of them are fairly liberal Democrats. I don't mean the Marxists, but fairly liberal. And I saw one come out and say, this is very, very serious. I think we need to send Tucker in there to read it so he can... He can tell us what to think on this, don't you, Mr. Producer? I'm sorry, folks. The idea that Putin is a friend of ours, the idea that Putin would ever, uh, ever do anything to build a friendship or alliance with the United States is simply ridiculous. I, I just don't know what's happened to some people. Maybe some of you, for all I know. And uh, it's it's just uh, it's not just frustrating. It's it's some cases it's depressing. I mean, you can argue over money, how much money, how it should be handled. I agree with that 100 percent, whether there should be offsets, whether there should be loans. That's all legitimate. That is all legitimate. But cutting off Ukraine means Ukraine loses Tens of thousands or more people will be slaughtered. The Russians are brutal with their POWs and women and so forth. That's their history, World War II and beyond. And then there they are, sitting right on the edge of the border with NATO countries. And that's where you're going to have World War III, right there. So the whole thing is asinine. Now the problem is we have Joe Biden as president. Joe Biden is commander-in-chief for Hamas. He's commander-in-chief for Red China. And more and more, he's commander-in-chief for Russia. Even though he wants more money for Ukraine, he doesn't want to spend it the right way. He hasn't... Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Here's another article. This is what I have to do. This is another article from Reuters. I'm not done with the first one, but they relate. President Joe Biden wants an 18% cut in the number of F-35 jets the Pentagon buys next year after Congress's cap on the size of the upcoming defense budget compelled the administration to find savings. Two sources familiar with the situation said that is bullcrap. This guy has spent trillions that we don't have on everything and anything. The mistake here is we should call F-35 jets Climate change jets, then everybody will support them. So the number of stealth jet fighters, that's what an F-35 is, will go below 70 rather than 83. Because he wants to cut a whopping $1.6 billion on the jets in our budget. $1.6 billion. These guys piss away $1.6 billion every hour. There's no prior to prioritizing here. This is why I try and tell some of the boneheads in the Republican Party. We need these jets. 70 jets. The drop in F-35 orders could impact the big defense contractors. I don't care about that, Reuters.
I don't see any cuts here in the massive welfare system. I don't see any cuts here in electric vehicle subsidies. I see cuts in the student loan program. That's a massive redistribution of wealth to people who are wealthier than the people who are subsidizing them. So you have interest on the debt going through the roof and the defense budget flattening out. So where's all the money going? For the economic socialism that these people are pushing and destroying our country with. Pentagon's share of the national defense budget expected to be $850 billion. The $30 billion reduction will hit other programs as well. Within the Defense Department, $2 billion earmarked for missile defenses for Guam. Do you know why we need missile defenses for Guam? Because Guam is an American territory sitting out there in the middle of the Pacific. It's a crucial, crucial uh, territory for us. And they need missiles, not just to defend Guam, but it's the first line of defense for the United States generally. So we'll cut there. Now it's there to deter China in the Pacific. So why would they cut there? Why would they cut there? Other programs they might reduce? Upgrades to the Homeland Missile Defense System in Alaska, known as ground-based interceptors. Well, why do we need those? Well, what country's near Alaska, Mr. Producer? Russia! I swear to you folks, this guy Biden, he is the Manchurian president. He is there to dismantle this country, and he's doing it for money. That's what his family is. And then he's surrounded by Obama sycophants. By the way, Obama hasn't taken an oath of poverty. The Obamas are worth like half a billion dollars. Marxism pays. This is incredible. So uh, they're just going to be slashing the hell out of the defense budget in areas that are absolutely crucial to us. Putin's on the move. Look what Trump did. He's no isolationist. He created the Space Force. Because he saw what China and Russia were doing in space. Do you know he was resisted? It was rejected? It was opposed in the Defense Department bureaucracy? He did it anyway. Gets no credit for it whatsoever. Very, very important. We need a space force. That's focused simply on what's going on out there and how to deal with it. But Biden... GOP warning of national security threat is about Russia wanting nuclear weapons in space. Do you notice how this is not a priority with Biden? You know what? You know what the Biden administration said in response to this? You have the chairman of the Intelligence Committee saying, we need to release this information to the press and the American people. They must know what's taking place here. We must alert the body politic. This is a grave threat to the United States. Nuclear weapons in space? We can't stop them. This will change everything. Everything. And of course, we're not even considering doing something like this. You know what the Biden administration, the president is aware of this. Excuse me? The president's aware of it. That's it. That's it. 
So the Republicans are demanding a sit down with the president, demanding that they agree to release this information so the American people know what's going on. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Putin is the enemy. One of many. He views you as the enemy. He views you, the American people, as the enemy. Period. Two sources familiar with the deliberations on Capitol Hill said the intelligence has to do with Russia wanting to put a nuclear weapon into space. This would not be to drop a nuclear weapon on Earth, but rather to possibly use against satellites. Well, why wouldn't it be? If you have the technology to hit satellites in space with space weapons, you're going to have the technology to hit Washington, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, and every place in between and around. That'll be low-hanging fruit. Very concerning and very sensitive, said one source, calling it a big deal. They want to alert the American people, quote, the seriousness without stoking public alarm. Does Biden seem alarmed at anything? Now, here's the next big story that's not being reported. Iran's getting a nuclear weapon. Can you imagine? Russia has nukes. In outer space? And Iran will have nukes? All on Biden's watch. All on Biden's watch. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. We still don't have any more information out of Kansas City that we had about an hour ago. Three suspects, they believe, and 22 people were shot, they said. 22 people. One died. That's all. I mean, you're just shooting around, man. Hope they have the death penalty there. Now, I want to ask you a question. What would your first response be after October 7th in Israel? Have you seen how Biden has changed completely? He issues an executive order that gives 45 days for Israel to basically defend itself against potential allegations of war crimes. And there's a report today that the State Department's been working on this for weeks to accuse Israel of war crimes, killing innocent citizens. You know, one of the 87% who supports Hamas over there. Now, they haven't done this to any other country. Have they done this to Jordan? Which is known for killing Palestinians. Have they done it to Sisi in Egypt? How about Abbas? How about the inbred in Saudi Arabia? How about the inbred in uh, Qatar? Have they done it to them? How about the Islamo-Nazi in Turkey? How about their buddies in Iran and Tehran, who they're funding by the tune of $100 billion? Iran wasn't involved on October 7th. They killed three of our American soldiers, and Iran is in touch. 
They don't give them 45 days to do a damn thing. They could care less. I mean, I guess Hamas would say, of course we're committing war crimes. I mean, after all, the river to the sea, that's our territory. We can rape, pillage, massacre. We can do whatever we want. Debauchery? Sure. And the West will forget all about it. And we, of course, control the likes of CNN and the New York Times and the rest. And we'll get our way. And, of course, they do. And Biden is scared to death. He's now behind in Michigan, Mr. Producer. The latest poll shows him behind in Michigan, and this is what it's all about. Dearbornistan. And towns like it. Because he sees the votes in places like New York where the Democrats win no matter what. So he figures, look. Democrats, well, they're like cattle going to the slaughterhouse. They, they don't care. Same with self-haters, self-hating Jews, secularists, atheists, pro-abortion Catholic. They don't care. They'll vote Democrat. What's the problem? I mean, Trump's Hitler after all. But listen to this. Listen to this. Reuters calls it breaking news, and of course they cite the New York Slimes because, well, it's the New York Slimes. U.S. President Joe Biden is using executive authority. Oh, I believe in democracy. Ready? To shield thousands of Palestinians in the United States from deportation for the next 18 months, the New York Times reports, citing a memo. Some 6,000 Palestinians are eligible for the reprieve under an immigration program called Deferred Enforced Departure. In other words, they're supposed to scram. And Biden's saying, not on my watch. I'm issuing an executive order. They get to stay for the next 18 months. Biden cited the danger to civilians in Gaza for taking the step. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what he's done to the Jews in Judea and Samaria? He put out an executive order. This guy rules not just nationally by executive order, but internationally. And I don't hear any concern about that on the Marxist pro-Hamas media. No, it's perfectly fine. And I don't know where the hell Congress is. Sitting on their asses, I guess. So he issues an executive order. Now this executive order can be found online. It is so broad. The language is so imprecise. That if you're Jewish... And you're living in Israel, where they don't have a First Amendment per se, especially if you're living in Judea and Samaria, you know, the West Bank, and you're a settler in your own land. Yeah, one of those. And you voice opposition to a two-state solution, you could be financially targeted by the United States government. You can be prevented from traveling to the United States. And now, of course... Our Department of Insanity, a.k.a. the State of Confusion, the State Department, they've gotten Britain involved, they got France involved, they're getting the European Union involved, all targeting these Jews. And so they sent out their senior staff to Dearbornistan and other places. See, see what we're doing? See what we're doing to the Israeli Jews? Come on, we need your vote. Come on, imams, we need river to the sea. Come on, cut it out. You may believe it, just stop saying it. So we have uh, 
this piece, Biden administration investigating potential Israel war crimes. From the Jerusalem Post, despite including assessing, uh, claiming in the past that they wouldn't do that. Israeli war crimes? The Biden administration may have been investigating Israel's conduct in the ongoing war for potential war crimes, despite publicly claiming the opposite. The Huffington Post reported on Tuesday. Now, Huffington Post is one of these Marxist rag websites, and yet even they're going, uh-oh, what the hell is this? Whatever happened to her anyway, Huffington, Mr. Producer? Recent reports from the Huffington... Maybe she's not with us anymore. I have no idea. Recent reports from the Huffington Post indicate... That while White House spokesperson John Kirby publicly denied formal assessments of Israel's actions in Gaza, internal sources who spoke to the outlets said they are. Now, John Kirby was praised even by my buddies on our favorite cable network. It's a class act. You know, he's, he's got gravitas. He's got a th- the guy is a serial liar. He was a serial liar. How do we forget about Afghanistan? The guy doesn't have any class. The guy's completely classless. He's a great propagandist. That's not good. That's bad for a free country. The other dimwit, you can tell she's a dimwit. She's not a good propagandist. The other one is a superb propagandist. Any totalitarian regime would want their John Kirby. Excuse me. Admiral John Kirby. Mm Mm-hmm. So recent reports from the Huffington Post indicate that while White House spokes idiot John Kirby class act publicly denied formal assessments of Israel's actions in God's internal sources who spoke to the outlet suggest otherwise. In fact, they say uh, those who are familiar with the matter, the State Department has been conducting inquiries into potential violations of international law by Israel, particularly regarding the operation in Gaza for weeks. The investigations have been reportedly, excuse me, for months, going on for months. Hello, months. So right at the beginning of the war, with the State Department scrutinizing Israeli actions through various channels, including assessing potential human rights abuses that may contravene both U.S. and international. It's amazing. Turkey's an ally. They're slaughtering people, committing acts of genocide. No report from them. Why? Our new friends, the moderate, peace-loving Arab inbreds, dictators, monarchs, what do they think they're doing? And they're doing it all the time. But we turn the other cheek. What? We turn the other cheek. It's right there in the box. Turn the other cheek. The Defense Department has also reportedly been involved in assessing Israeli conduct in Gaza, since at least November, examining whether any apparent violation is international law. We now have... All of government, the State Department, the Defense Department, the CIA, National Security Council, the White House itself, looking as they did with Trump. Come on, don't we even found one, the Ku Klux Klan Act. Let's use that one. Looking for anything to pin on Israel, completely undermining the ability of this little country to build support outside its borders, turning the entire world against them. In Europe, in the third world, Arab countries that where they have peace agreements with, 
Biden is flamethrowing them. Why? Because Netanyahu is the only man who will stand up to them. And they want his government to collapse. And they want the government to collapse because they want Lapid or Bennett or Gantz or one of these. One of these pretenders. So they can tell them what to do as puppets of the Biden regime. Give up your country. Give up your security. And they're targeting people in Israel with executive orders. Who does that, Mr. Purdue? Seriously. Where does his power come from? These are the Obamaites. And I'll repeat what I said yesterday. I used to think Obama was the biggest anti-Semite to ever be president. You know, Franklin Roosevelt, things he said about Jews, he wrote about Jews, all these lies, in some cases, by Jewish historians to cover his ass. His anti-Semitic State Department and what they did, the people trying to escape, real asylum and so forth. His favorite newspaper, how it covered up the... Then you have Obama, whose hate for Israel... He couldn't even hide. Meet with the Muslim Brotherhood. He would meet with CARE. He would blow off the elected prime minister again. They hate Netanyahu. Oh, he's still around? Somebody vote for him? Yes, as a matter of fact. Oh. But Biden's the worst. He's the biggest anti-Semite to ever be president. And he's the worst for this reason. He pretended to support that country. He went over there, pretended to support those people. But Menachem Begum had him pegged decades ago. He can't hide it forever. He can't hide his racism forever. And he can't hide his anti-Semitism forever. This guy is a throwback. He's a throwback to the worst elements of the Democrat Party. That's what he is. He's a throwback. And unfortunately, too many people in this country, whether it be black or Jewish or Hispanic... Or lily-white liberals. For them, being a Democrat is more important than their faith, than their values, than the country. And that's why we're here. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. I want to talk about the January 6th case. The January 6th case almost has nothing to do with January 6th. The 1870 Klan Act. The Enron obstruction statutes. Statute, I should say. The federal contractor statute. Has nothing to do with what happened on January 6th. So what are they doing here? Jack Smith is doing what he always does. He cannot find a criminal statute, a legitimate one, to use against Trump. You want to know why? Because after years of investigation and a grand jury, subpoenas, they found absolutely no evidence, not a syllable, not a shred, that Donald Trump is involved in any violence, seditious activity, or insurrectionist activity. None. Zero. Or they would have charged him with it. Why wouldn't they? And so rather than say, hey, look, we may not like this, we may not like this, and say, but we can't criminalize it, they go on a search. 
You go back all the way to 1870. Well, we got this statute, the Klan statute. Well, what does that have to do? Well, we'll twist it. The Enron obstruction issue. What does that have to do with obstruct? Uh, we'll use it. We'll twist it. And, of course, every single federal district judge in Washington has used it. And they're the ones who are supposed to be the referees here and say, no, I mean, if you don't have it, you don't have it. No, they've all agreed to it. And, and then this other statute that is used almost exclusively to go after um, federal contractors who are violating their their contracts, stealing money or what have you, misappropriating it. That they use too. And then in his arguments, these papers that he's filed with the district court with Chunkin, his favorite judge because she's a hack he makes arguments for sedition, makes arguments for insurrection makes arguments about violence, you know dog whistles and all but Trump's not charged with any of that but the judge could care less they just need to get this stuff to a jury of Joe Biden's peers and it's that case where they strip Joe, uh, uh, Donald Trump of his attorney-client privilege rights with his lead lawyer. Actually, I have that wrong. That's the documents case. Apologize. So much bogus activity going on. It doesn't really matter. But that was in the documents case. But in the January 6th case, Trump says, look, this is all bogus, but whatever it is, you don't have the authority to charge me on this. I was president at the time when I was challenging the elections and so forth. When I gave that speech... I was president. And so they say, oh, he's demanding post-presidential immunity. Because no president's ever been charged for actions taken as president of the United States. And there have been many opportunities. Because you don't want to push the edge of the envelope like this. You don't want to create new law. You don't want to. You don't want to break the system. But the Democrats do. They don't believe in the system. By that, I don't mean the. The swamp in Washington, they've helped create that. They've led the creation of it. No, I mean the system, the constitutional system. Well, where's the evidence? First of all, president's not above the law. Does it sound like Trump's above the law, what they're doing to Trump? No. Biden's above the law. Hillary Clinton's above the law. Schumer, who specifically threatened two justices on the Supreme Court, he's above the law. Talib is above the law. She's a traitor who represents Hamas in the United States House. Omar's above the law. She's a traitor who says, I'm here to represent Islam and Somalia, another terrorist state. She's above the law. Robert Menendez. The Democrats don't remove their crooks, do they? Santos is gone, now replaced by a Democrat. I hope the Republicans beating their job. Oh, well, that's good. We cleaned up the House. No, you didn't, you jerks. Meanwhile, in the Senate, nobody ever brings up Menendez. Ever. Because if he's gone, what then? There's a tie in the Senate. That's what then. Anyway, where was it? So a three-judge panel, two Biden appointees, neither of whom recuse themselves. They're rushing their decision. They're rushing the arguments, number one. Number two, they rule in a vicious political opinion that will be remembered as that is that not only does not Donald Trump have immunity after he leaves the presidency for things he did as president 
but he doesn't have the right to appeal to the full circuit court as every other defendant does, whether they take it up as another issue. And he has to go directly to the Supreme Court and he damn well better do it soon. We'll give him six days. Now, why are they doing this? Why are they denying Donald Trump due process? Because they want him to get convicted of something in a Washington, D.C. courtroom with a Washington, D.C. jury, a Biden jury. In fact, they said the Trump lawyers don't get this done within six days. They directed the trial judge to begin her trial. Who's ever heard of a court doing that? In all my years as a lawyer, this has never happened. I've checked with other experienced litigators. Every single one of them has said, we've never, ever seen anything like this. Ever. Or Trump's above the law. And Nikki Haley's out there saying, all this chaos Trump's causing. That's why more and more people begin to detest her. She's just a mouthpiece. Self-promoting, self-aggrandizing, in the tradition of a Christie or a Sununu or a Hogan. And let me give you an example of the danger of this happening. I'm going to tell you, America, of going after a president after he's left office for actions he took as president. It's the current case. You don't even need to speculate. Three trumped-up criminal statutes that have absolutely nothing to do with what Trump's actually accused of. After he leaves the presidency as a former president and decides to run for election, this time around, they dust off these three ridiculous statutes. They went back and they looked at January 6th. And they say, here, we have a hook. January 6th, the Klan Act, the Enron Act, the Federal Contractors Act. And don't you dare claim immunity. Don't you dare bring that case to the 4th D.C. Circuit, the full court. You better get your ass into that courtroom at the Supreme Court. It's like, what? There's the example. It's happening right now. You have a prosecutor who pulls out these three ridiculous statutes, tries to apply them to Trump. You have a district judge who's all for it. You're going to have a Biden jury in Washington, D.C., They want it all done before the election, even though the Department of Justice has claimed decades in the past, don't interfere with elections. The whole purpose is to interfere and get this done before the election. So Joe Biden becomes president of the United States. Let me ask you a question. Donald Trump is going to be nominated by the Republicans for president of the United States this summer. And so the Democrats are desperate to get a conviction, a scarlet letter C on his forehead, a conviction. Out of Manhattan. They can't get it out of Manhattan. They hope to get it somewhere else. So Republicans nominate Donald Trump. And he's got maybe a count or two here, convicted by Democrats in New York, maybe one or two in Georgia. If it's not off the rails, uh, they tried to uh, bankrupt him uh, in New York. Uh, We have the January 6th trial going on, let's say. We have the... So the Republican nominee for President of the United States is crippled. He can't campaign the way he wants to. He has to respond to Democrat allegations, Democrat juries. 
Democrat potential convictions. All of this is intended in what could be a very, very close election to peel off enough votes to deliver it to Joe Biden, if not Joe, Joe Biden, Newsom, or whomever it is. That's the whole purpose here. And that's why Joe Biden is signaling over and over again to Democrat prosecutors, Democrat jury pools, Democrat judges. you got to stop this guy because I may not be able to. He's going to destroy the country. That's why Joe Scarborough and others horrendously keep referring to Donald Trump as Hitler. You jurors, you got to stop Hitler. You prosecutors, you got to stop Hitler. You judges, you got to stop Hitler. You know, this this moron pawn, the uh, the circuit court judge in D.C., uh, who is horrendous, and she's proud of it. Fully out of the closet as a hardcore Marxist, Democrat Party partisan. They're destroying their own reputation on the courts. They're destroying the American public's view of our judicial system, which has which is in the toilet right now, and rightly so. Rightly so. And it's these judges, like Pond, don't have a problem with it at all. That's why they ruled the way they did. On the process. Trying to deny Trump of due process. As I said on Fox, as I said here, these are big constitutional issues where we should be taking our time and reviewing. But even the media say, Trump's trying to delay. He's trying to delay. My God, we want this done now. What do you mean he's trying to delay? He has certain rights. You don't have to accommodate prosecutors. You have to defend yourself against prosecutors. There's certain motions you can file. There's certain procedures you can follow. There's certain issues you can raise. This is all legitimate. Mass murderers do this. Their lawyers do. But for Donald Trump, let's hurry up and convict. That's what they're saying. Not a single one of the 91 charges brought against President Trump and the various Democrat strongholds should have ever been brought, period. They are all bogus and outrageous. The ballot denial case is bogus and outrageous. The immunity ruling from the D.C. Circuit panel is bogus and outrageous. And we learned that the Biden White House has had a hand in several of these cases. And Biden's constant declaration that Trump will destroy our democracy, that he's an existential threat, and all the rest of this demagoguery is a constant directive to Democrat judges, Democrat prosecutors, and Democrat jury pools to use the legal system to convict him and elect Biden. 